Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Ryan Bell. Ryan, all going well today for you? It is. It is great today. The sun is shining. It's the last day of school, which oh, means wow. the kids are going to be home fighting all summer. <laughs> so, oh, I can't imagine that. They went to school and I said a little prayer that today was the longest, slowest day ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're looking forward to having them home and having some fun together this summer. Very cool. Well, as a reminder to our audience, um, we are doing challenge words this episode. So that means both Ryan and I, plus our guest, um, all have a word that we have, well, we've kind of traded words, given each other words. So we are each given a word that we are challenged to work into the conversation um, as seamlessly as possible. So our audience is encouraged to kind of listen, see if you can pick up on what our challenge words are. And at the end, uh, we will announce whether we were successful uh, individually with working in our challenge words or not. So um, one of the things that we do here on construction disruption sometimes is um, we kind of talk, sometimes talk about products that uh, have been game changers for us. Maybe something that we personally have run into that has really, um, you know, maybe not life changing, but at least a game changer for us. And so this week, Ryan, I have a product to bring to everyone. And it's a little bit weird, to be honest. Um, so I don't know if anyone remembers when you were a kid, you would see an old person's feet and you would see these calluses on their heels or maybe their toes. And and you would just kind of think to yourself, man, how in the world does that happen? That's not what my feet look like. And, oh, I hope that never happens to me. Well, guess what? I'm an old person and have been for a few years. So I, I, I have developed these calluses. I mean, not just on my heels, but on my toes. And so I've been trying to figure out what to do about this. And I've been using like lotions and stuff. And so finally, I broke down and bought a couple of things that really have been life changing. I don't think they're particularly new. Um, but one is, you know, like a, a pumice stone, a, a thing that so you're in the shower and you, you rub these calluses off. So I got that. And then I thought, well, I'll use this lotion I have. Well, then I discovered something. This has kind of been a game changer, and I had never heard about it. Maybe old hat to everybody else. Something called Urea Cream, which is kind of a disgusting name. U-R-E-A. <laughs> Urea yeah, Cream. That's a yeah, little it, it just doesn't sound like something you'd want in your house. <laughs> I don't know whose um, idea that was. <laughs> so... After I use my little pumice and I get out of the shower, I put urea cream um, on these calloused areas. And I'm saying literally within like doing this two or three times, my calluses were almost gone. I mean, it is just really, really weird. So um, wow. this is something strictly for the old people out there who are willing to have something called urea cream in their house. Um, this was kind of a game changer for me as, you know. 
when you're 60 years old. I'm sorry, Ryan. This is as exciting as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually glad you mentioned that. My wife has problems with her feet, and she actually uses this is this is so off topic from what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> but uh, it's like a sander, like an electric battery powered sander. Oh, yeah. On her feet, and she she will do it for hours too. <laughs> but I have probably seen loves that. that I've mentioned that and shared it with everyone. <laughs> so maybe maybe we will have urea cream in our house now too. I, I, I think you ought to try. <laughs> I just I just do a quick buff with the pumice toad, put my urea cream on, and I am good. My feet actually they actually feel good too. Anyway. Is this show brought to you by Urea Cream now? It is not, but you never know. We're, we're always kind of hoping that could happen somehow, uh, Shelby. You just never know. So anyway, let's go on with the show. Enough enough of that. So um, I'm very excited. Uh, today's guest is Shelby Ashley. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Optimized Financial Solutions. With an MBA and also an undergraduate degree in corporate finance from the University of Alabama, Shelby's passion is to help business owners understand their financials and to convert that understanding into actionable business decisions. So they are what's called a fractional CFO firm that can cover things from monthly reports to management consulting. Um, in that process, they help business owners understand where their business is today and then fill the gap between where they are today and where they want to be uh, down the road. So Shelby, welcome to Construction Disruption. It's a real privilege to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Very good. I, I can hear a, a twinge of Alabama there also, and I love that. <laughs> Just a that. twinge, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just a twinge. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so, so we've, oh gosh, we've had guests from Australia and Ireland, and uh, those are always fun. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily comparing uh, you two from Australia or Ireland, but it's good to have you here today. I am Thank just going to move on. Does that sound good, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So I'm curious. Um, you know, you end up with an MBA and, and also your corporate finance undergrad degree. And mm -hmm. um, so out of all the things that you could have done with those degrees, um, creating an outsourced CFO, chief financial officer firm, seems very, very specific to me. Um, so I'm curious, what kind of drove your passion to start Optimize Financial Solutions? Well, what I do now is, like you said, pretty specific, but um, up till now, I've kind of done all the things when it comes to numbers. Um, I started as an accountant after college and just kind of worked my way up uh, to being a financial analyst. And during that time, I found that I was um, producing, you know, all the reports for management. And then if, if the executives had a question for me, um, I was the one that knew the answer because I made the reports and it just dawned on me. Why am I doing this for one business when I could be doing this for a whole slew of businesses? Wow. <laughs> and um, so that's what led me to uh, start my own firm. And I recognized that there was a need among small businesses. And when I say small businesses, I mean in between the the half a million a year to up to five or six million a year range um, in that they don't have that kind of business advisor with them because they can't at that point really afford a full-time CFO or they don't know what a CFO is yet. And so those are the kind of businesses that I help. Very good. Well, 
tell us a little bit more detail about, you know, is there any particular industry you're working with? I mean, the type of businesses and uh, business owners you work with. And, you know, maybe give us a little bit of a review um, of the range of services. I mean, I, I kind of understand it kind of seems like you somewhat tailor things based upon the client. Um, just kind of curious what that whole range looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right now I've got um, businesses in a couple of different areas. I've got a marketing agency. Um, I've got um, a landscape company and then I've got a couple of construction businesses. And I the industry that I love helping the most is the um, the building or just the skilled labor industry in general, because the education around numbers and how to look at these financial reports just is not there in the building industry or the skilled labor industry. And so I find that that's kind of the sweet spot when it comes to my clientele. And as far as my product offering, um, so I offer, um, I can put together like a monthly package that includes like a dashboard custom to what you as the business owner want to see, how you want to see it. Um, I love doing that. I could spend all day in Microsoft Excel. <laughs> um, so I offer that. And then um, my CFO service specifically is um, I have this financial model that I use for all my companies. And each month I'll plug in your numbers and I'll um, issue you a score based on how you're doing against targets that you and I would have already set up. And so each month I forecast based on how your actual performance is going. And then I tell you what we need to do, what we need to tweak that month in order to get back on track. Very interesting. So what is it that you like about construction businesses or, you know, the ones using skilled labor? Is it, you know, sort of the job costing and helping people understand that? Or, or what is it that you especially like about that end of things? It's the fact that they appreciate that they don't really know what they're looking at because the income statement and the balance sheet and the statement of cash flows, all of these financial statements are tailored towards the accountant. They're not tailored towards the business owner. And especially in that industry, um, I find a lot of clients who are just like, just you do the numbers. I don't want to look at the numbers. I get a headache. I just check my bank balance once a day and that's it. <laughs> and so when I'm going through and I'm translating what all of this means, it's like an aha moment. And when a business owner has been struggling and something's not working in their business and they just can't figure out why, and I'm able to bring that to their attention and they're able to see what's going on, it's really um, a great feeling, feeling like that you've helped somebody in their business. You know, one of the things you mentioned there was the dashboard. And, you know, I have seen a lot more use of those in businesses in the last few years. But, you know, one of the areas I've seen that really used well is with nonprofits. Because um, mm -hmm. a lot of times nonprofits have board members that are not particularly mm -hmm. financially savvy, but yet that's part of their responsibility is mm -hmm. to, to be the financial stewards. And so some of the boards I serve on um, have been really good at developing those dashboard reports that, that they give to their uh, board members and just uh, very, very helpful. So uh, is most of what you do, I assume, long distance? Or are you ever going to visit your clients? Or what does that <laughs> look like? Um, so all of my work right now is remote. Um, I meet with my clients monthly over Zoom. Um, I'm doing all the work behind the scenes prior to our meeting. And yeah, we just meet over Zoom. I haven't traveled to see a client yet. I don't have anything um, booked yet. But yeah, it's very easy. Um, I just pull up my, my financial models and uh, we just go through it together on Zoom. 
So you can tell I'm 60 years old. I use the term long distance. Is it long? <laughs> yeah. I think remote is the new word. <laughs> Definitely the new term for it, Todd. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know. So I'm curious. So a client comes to you, you know, what's typically their state of mind? I mean, do they realize that they need you or sometimes they come to you and they don't even realize it yet or um are yeah they that's kind of how it happens um okay. i meet uh, most of my prospects in person and i just kind of ask them what it is they do and kind of poke and prod here and there and then they'll ask me what i do and i just say oh you know i help um small business owners with their profitability and their cash flow and at that point it's like a tell me more kind of situation and then um, it's at that point that they kind of realize that that's what they've been needing. So when I first meet with clients, um, they're a little overwhelmed. Um, they're not really willing, of course, to divulge exactly what's what the problem is. Um, and so um, it, it takes a minute to break down that wall and kind of get them to to admit that there's a problem and that they don't know what it is and that they need help. You know, that's interesting because I do think that there's kind of this thing as a business owner, you're supposed to know it all. And it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, those types that you got to admit, you know, I really don't. And you're right. That can that can be a wall to break down. I, I remember several years ago, I was speaking with a small business owner. He was in the construction industry and, you know, he kind of, he described his accounting. He's like, well, money goes in this pocket and money and I pay bills out of the other pocket and uh, I keep whatever's left over. And, you know, now I will share too, by the way, he bankrupted a couple of years after that conversation. Um, what can you tell us about, you know, what a CFO does for a business and, you know, why businesses need them? A CFO is, um, the simplest way I can put it is like the therapist for your business. <laughs> so you've got your bookkeeper and you've got your CPA. Well, they're paid to keep up with the past numbers and they're paid to keep you in compliance. Um, they're paid to convey what your numbers are to you, but they're not paid to help you improve those numbers. And that's what a CFO does. And so when I'm meeting with small business owners, you know, they're in the point where, um, they can't talk to their bookkeeper or CPA about the issues because, like I said, they don't get paid to improve anything just to convey it. Um, you know, they, they can't really regurgitate all this to them, their employees because their employees, if they say, sense something is wrong, they're going to jump ship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, their friends don't understand, right. and their spouse is probably tired of hearing about it. So that's where I come in. Um, you know, if there's a problem, we're going to work through what it is, and we're going to sort it out and fix it. So what you do and where you come along with your the current clients you have is in addition to them having like a local accountant mm -hmm. or CPA. That yeah, yeah, because I take what the bookkeeper or the CPA has prepared already, and I use that for my forecast. So sometimes you're getting them when they get to the point and they say, Shelby, I can't even afford a chimichanga for lunch anymore. Can't you please <laughs> help me through this? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not the, you know, it's not, um, business owners don't, lie awake at night and think, gee, I hope my balance sheet is in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. No, they lie awake and they think, how am I going to make payroll this week? Absolutely. Um, that's Those are the kind of things that, that haunt business owners. And, you know, like you said a minute ago, it is embarrassing and it shouldn't be because when you've worked with so many clients um, and you've seen so many businesses, everybody is struggling in one area or another. And of course, we all want to, you know, present that our business is doing great and things are going awesome, but that's not the truth. And um, and so that's 
that's what I'm here for is to take where you are now and bridge the gap between where you want to be. Fantastic. Well, uh, what are some of, you know, in your opinion, what are some of the key metrics that businesses should be tracking and watching? And um, do you find that a lot of your clients are not tuned in at all to those key metrics when they first come to you? So what you absolutely need to be tracking are, number one, of course, your revenue. Um, And then beyond that, certain expenses, such as your marketing, your payroll expenses, your overhead expenses. Um, So all these things combined um, give you your net profit. And so many business owners and even accountants, they stop there. Okay, here's your net profit. Here's, Here's what you turned last month or last quarter. But beyond your net profit, you also need to be tracking your day's sales outstanding. So how long is it taking you to collect on an invoice? Um, your day's payable outstanding. How long are you waiting to pay invoices? Um, day's inventory outstanding. Um, your owner distributions. All these things that have directly affect cash flow that business owners do not track because they don't know how. That's very interesting. I, I'm curious, are there any trends that you have seen, you know, coming out of COVID in terms of folks having more issues with AR or? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So the trend that I see most is I made such and such profit last year or last month. Where is it? Where's the cash? Um, and I'll go in and I'll take a look and I'll see that it's still all sitting in accounts receivable. And so I'll, I'll point that out and say, you know, your your day sales outstanding is like 70. <laughs> so what's going on there? And I'll find that many business owners, especially if they use like QuickBooks Online or something, they don't have a process in place to go and chase down those invoices. They just rely on QuickBooks to send out its automatic reminders and that's it. And so uh, a lot of the time the business owner is reluctant to go after those outstanding invoices because they don't want to tarnish that client relationship. But in that case, I say, you know, you're not the bank. (laughs) You're not um, cruel for doing this. You know, it makes you look weak if you're just letting people buy from you and then just not pay you. So that is, number one, probably the biggest trend that I see. Wow. You know, I I think a lot of businesses, too, during COVID, you know, really had inventory um, hit them hard, too, with supply chain issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, suddenly, oh, I got way too much of this inventory and not enough of this. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've certainly seen, I, I know in our industry, that's been pretty rampant. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And another thing, too, with, with COVID and all the, um, the assistance programs that came about to small businesses, I saw where a lot of businesses were taking on debt with these new loan programs that were all of a sudden available. And so they've got the cash because they've taken on this new debt, but now they've got to pay that debt back because they didn't use it for things that they should have used it for, such as growing the company or um, having a cash reserve. They used it for their expenses, their payroll, um, just frivolous things that debt should not be used for. So that's that's something that I saw as, as a uh, direct result of COVID as well. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, in your client relationships, um, are a lot of those long-term? I mean, where they say, you know, gee whiz, um, Shelby's helping us so much that, you know, we're just going to continue to work with her? Or do some of them be shorter term where they say, okay, Shelby, you know, helped us put these things in place and now we're watching the right stuff and, you know, maybe we're going to give this a try on our own or a little bit of both maybe? So the way my engagements are set up is to be long term. So I'm going to work with you until either A, you get so big that you need to hire a full time CFO or B, you're ready to sell your business. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's a that's a good uh, outlook, I would say. 
Very interesting. <laughs> so I've I have to admit something. I was giving Todd a little bit of not a hard time, but I was joking around about me being bored during this podcast because I'm a creative person and <laughs> anything talking about financials or accounting or anything like that doesn't really hold my mm -hmm. interest. But with that said, I, there's a book that I've had on my Amazon list for a while now, which is uh, Profit First, which mm -hmm. I'm assuming is a book that you are familiar with. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I've actually had it for a while and just started reading it this past week. Um, so knowing that, you know, this is in in your realm and it, it's held my interest Un unbelievably well. It's, <laughs> it started out great. I'm not very far. Um, can you maybe explain kind of that methodology? Because this is a very popular book and very popular yes. topic for small business owners. Can you yeah. maybe break that down a little bit and explain the methodology behind that and kind of what your thoughts are on it? Absolutely. So Profit First is a great book as it relates to um, cash management because it emphasizes um, doing exactly what the title says, putting aside your profit first. So like if you're the business owner that, uh, you know, when we all get started out, all of our money is just going into the business and we're not paying ourselves anything. And then we say, oh, well, when I hit six figures gross, I'll, I'll start paying myself. And no, you're not. <laughs> and so um, what Profit First says to do is immediately take aside um, 1% or I can't remember what the percentage, it gives like a bracket based on your industry and kind of um, how you're performing. And open a bank account and that is going to be your profit and each month twice a month you're going to transfer that percentage into this bank account and that is set aside strictly for you and it's got it maps out the whole way uh, to do this you've got your profit bank account you've got your tax bank account so that you're automatically setting aside those taxes so you're not hit with any surprises um, and that's really all it is it's a cash management system and it's great for business owners who aren't great at managing their cash, which is most of them. But the fault that I see in Profit First is it doesn't account for growth in that it helps business owners with where they are at right now. It doesn't say anything about how to move forward in the future because if you're planning on expanding and you need to buy a whole bunch of equipment or a new warehouse or whatever, you're going to be putting aside cash for that. You're going to be cash flow negative for a few months or a couple of years in order to make that happen. And Profit First doesn't really guide business owners on how to do that. Um, and moreover, when it gives you the matrix of how much you should pay yourself based on um, how much your business is making and what industry you're in, if you'll notice in one of the brackets, when you jump from X amount a year to this amount per year, the owner's salary goes down in his bracket. So it's like de-incentivizing people to, to grow their company because they say, oh, well, I'm, my business is making more money, but now I'm being advised to take a pay cut. So um, that part's a little, a little confusing to me. But overall, as a cash management system, I think it's great. Um, but it's got its, it's got its shortcomings here and there. That makes sense. Is there a good resource or part two that would come well after, you know, learning this profit first system? Like, is there not another book? <laughs> not that you have found. <laughs> work with Shelby. That's, yeah, that's yeah, your call best me. I, Shelby, I think maybe you need a book. <laughs> there you go. Part two. <laughs> Well, you kind of touch on it. You, you know, we we use these words um, both cash and and profit. So, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, help us to understand which is more important. Um, everyone tends to focus on that profit number, but yet I'm thinking here maybe that isn't the most important thing to be thinking about. Cash is the absolute most important. Cash is the North Star of your business. You can have all the profit in the world, but if you're not converting that profit to cash, um, your business is going to go nosedive real quickly. Um, like Amazon, I think went, I think it was either five or seven years, their first, when they were first starting out without a single profit. So it's like, well, they didn't have a profit. How'd they stay in business? They had cash. Mm -hmm. You cannot stay in business if you don't have cash. You can stay in business if you don't have a profit. I remember a, a CPA tell, tell me years ago when I was starting in business, Todd, cash is king and there ain't no queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> I think we have a title for this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's cute. <laughs> um, so, you know, we touched on this earlier, but in the construction in industry, um, estimating and then tracking project costs is so critical. Um, and then you have to be able to manage cash flow during the project mm -hmm. because a construction project can, you know, possibly stretch out for even months. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about that some and maybe some of the strategies you help your clients with for, for planning and being able to deal with that process? Absolutely. I actually just wrote a blog, um, I think this past week, on um, cost estimating when it comes to different projects. So that's when you're analyzing job profitability, um, estimating those costs is going to be the first step. If you miss something or you don't estimate correctly, you're going to be hard pressed to find somewhere along the life of a project where you can make up for that error. So absolutely, project estimating is um paramount to making sure that that project is going to be profitable. And so when you're going through the estimation process, um, you need to be very, very diligent that you are analyzing past trends. If you've done something like this before, um, you're keeping up with all of your stakeholders on um, where different costs might come in, you know, your architects, your engineers, etc. Um, you need to be using um, technology as best that you can. Um, and you need to be, you just need to be forecasting very, very conservatively on what what these projects are going to cost. Because like I said, if you miss an estimation or you don't budget enough, you're not going to be able to make that up later on in the project's life very easily. I know one of the things, you know, there has been a lot of new technology in construction um, to help with capturing those job costs in real time. And, you know, but you still, you got to have the discipline to do it. I mean, you can have... Yes. You know, the the most wonderful app in the world, but your whole team still has to be committed to actually Exactly, using it. exactly. You can have all the technology in the world, but if you're not going to use it, it's no good to you. Yeah. So if perhaps we have a listener out there or someone else who thinks they might need a CFO and, you know, fractional outsource CFO seems appropriate to them, um, other than coming to you, but, you know, what should they be looking for um, in that relationship or maybe as they interview uh, potential CFOs? They need to be looking for someone who has a background in finances, of course, and um, really, most importantly, somebody who cares about what they have to say and doesn't just treat them as another number, another client to sign on to their books. Um, if your CFO doesn't care about you and what your personal goals are, like the whole reason that you even went into business to begin with, um, it's not going to be a great relationship. So I would say definitely when you're out, um, you know, seeking out this type of person, 
and they're not super easy to find. Um, the the outsource to the fractional CFO is not a um, a huge population, um, but definitely um, just somebody that you vibe with, somebody that you can tell cares about about what your goals are and what your business goals are. Very good. And to our listeners, vibe is not one of our challenge words, but it may be in a future <laughs> episode. I like that. Good stuff. Well, anyway, all these words you young kids are coming up. <laughs> young, I appreciate that. I'll be 31 <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> so do you have any stories you could share with us of clients, um, you know, who've really made significant changes and improvements to their life or business um, after they started paying more attention to the finances of things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the first clients that I started working with, um, he had turned a 12% profit um, the prior year, and he had done minus 80 grand in cash flow for that year, and he had no idea. And so I pointed this out to him, and again, it was like I was mentioning earlier, it was all in accounts receivable. Um, And we uh, went through and we developed a plan in order to collect on these invoices. And then I think by month three of me working with him, he had recruited about 13 grand of that 80 grand that he lost. And so now he's on track to do a positive 20 grand in cash this, this year. And we'll just keep growing it from there. So, oh, that's great. No, mm-hmm. that is significant change. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, you know, especially in business, you, you can feel like, and, and, and kind of, fool yourself into this false sense of everything's okay. And and yet, you know, all of your cash is ending up in AR or in inventory or, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it starts to, uh, the proverbial stuff starts to hit the fan at some point. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes. Boy. Yes. <laughs> well, Shelby, thank you so much. Um, this has been great. We're close to wrapping up the business end of things. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd also like to share with our audience? Um, not that I can think of. Very good. Well, I do have to ask you something. Before okay. we wrap up, um, a lot of times here on the show, okay, pretty much every show, um, we do something we call rapid fire questions. And so these are seven questions that we ask you. They may range from serious to silly. All you have to do is give a short answer for each one. Um, and our audience needs to understand if Shelby agrees to this, she has no idea what we're about to ask. <laughs> so, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? Uh, sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's do this. We'll alternate questions. Ryan, you want to start with first question? Sure, I would love to. I'm actually going to throw a little curveball with this question. Oh, no. So you may be awesome. flabbergasted by how I ask this, Todd, <laughs> and I will explain a little bit afterwards. But what would you like your last meal to be? Oh, my gosh. I have such low standards when it comes to food. I eat everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> low standards. Um, so probably some variation of seafood, probably a whole mess of crab legs or something, some fish. <laughs> That sounds good. Um, actually, uh, so so the reason I asked that is my stepson is 12. And the other he must have learned about or heard about from his friends about the last meals that prisoners get when they're mm-hmm. on the row. And he asked me what I, I would have when he came home from school the other day. 
And he just kept going on and on about how he thought it was so cool that they got to pick their last meal. <laughs> oh, my. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, like, and I was like, buddy, I think you're missing the point here. But <laughs> like, you know, he's just focused on they get to pick whatever they want to eat. And he just went <laughs> on and on about it. So and that's that's my reason for switching it up. Really, favorite meal was the question Todd had down to ask, but... <laughs> I like uh, I like last meal. <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm actually going to switch it up too, Ryan. I'm going to change question number two. So, um, you heard me uh, speak earlier, uh, Shelby, about you know this sort of game changing product for me, the urea cream. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you have bought recently that has been a game changer for you in terms of a new product or something? Mm. Um, I don't really buy much (laughs) um (laughs) you sound like my son he buys nothing (laughs) yeah i i was at target the other day and i hesitated before buying 17 dollars flip-flops so (laughs) (laughs) um i bought some i bought a new computer monitor oh did you (laughs) is it like curved or anything no it's not it's absolutely not anything special at all i just needed a new monitor and i went and bought one from walmart and now i have it and i'm pleased so (laughs) Well, it was somewhat a game changer, it sounds like, compared to the old monitor, maybe. It was, it was. I definitely needed it. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Okay, question number three, Ryan. What would you like to be remembered for? Gosh, this is hard because if you're asking, like, my child, I'll have an answer. If you're asking, like, my friends, I'd have a different answer. Um, um... Oh, this is tough. Uh, <laughs> I guess making, um, this is going to sound so cheeseball, but <laughs> um, just making a, a positive influence on, on my family's lives and my friends and just anybody I came into contact with. Awesome. That's not cheeseball at all. That's good. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, okay, I'll ask this question. I think I mentioned earlier to you. Um, if you no, maybe I didn't. Um, if you had to eat a crayon, what color of crayon would you choose to eat? Um, probably purple because grape is my favorite flavor, and I feel like purple would probably taste taste like a grape. Yeah, trust me, it won't. But that's a good thought. <laughs> <laughs> they all taste the same. <laughs> Although I don't, I, we have some that smell incredible. They're like. They're oh. really smooth, like, I don't know what they're called. There's some incredible crayons, and they smell amazing. Oh, I interesting. wonder if, if those would, maybe we can have a live taste testing one time. Let me do that. For our 100th anniversary episode, we will do that. We will eat crayons. <laughs> we'll have to eat, eat crayons and, and bagels. Okay. <laughs> um, who is your favorite person to travel with? Um, definitely my husband. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah, that yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, we have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Oh, now I may have to explain this. Um, what old person thing do you like to do? So is there anything um, you enjoy doing that would normally be associated with someone older? My absolute favorite thing to do is be in bed before 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old person thing. Oh, my goodness, you got even me beat on that. <laughs> It's in bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> we get ours down. So we have a two-year-old little boy and he, he goes down sometime between seven and eight most nights. So come nine o'clock, we're, we're done. We're beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's almost, he, he's about to the age though, where he's really going to learn how to draw out bedtime. 
Oh, he already and knows. He, he already, already knows. knows. Trust me. Well, it'll get. <laughs> hopefully for you, it doesn't. But my youngest <laughs> is eight, and she it takes about an hour to get her to bed. Oh yeah, yeah. Every night. Yeah. To yes, get her everything in the room bed. has to be put yes. up that he never cared about during the day, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is the final question. What is your favorite magical or mythical creature? A uh, mythical creature? I really like, I really want to go see that Sphinx over in um, yeah. in Egypt. So I'll say that, the Sphinx. <laughs> Sphinx. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't that the thing that's losing its nose or something? I think every year a little bit. Is it? Oh. Its nose is kind of. I think it might be. Eroding away, yeah. Very interesting. So it's been a great episode, Shelby. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. I think we were all successful with our challenge words, weren't we? I think we were, yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to bust out laughing when I said mine, but I didn't, so I'm glad. <laughs> well, and I'm really bad about that. I have a horrible tell. So, you know, anymore, now that we're doing video, um, people can always tell my reaction when we <laughs> So, uh, your word, Shelby, was... Regurgitate. Regurgitate, which you worked in very well. Um, I used chimichanga, which I did not work in so well. I mean, it was in there, but. <laughs> no, I disagree. I, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was perfect, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, your word was? Flabbergasted. And you worked it in there as well. Good job. Congratulations. <laughs> Well, again, um, thank you so much uh, for being with us here today, Shelby. It's, it's been a pleasure and very informative. So um, if folks want to get in touch with you or your business, um, what are some of the easy ways for them to do that? Um, the easiest way would be to email me at um, info at optimizedfinancialsolutions.com. Or you can go to my website. It's just www.optimizedfinancialsolutions.com. And I've got a booking link you can get on my calendar. Um, when I meet with, meet with new clients, um, we do like a 20 or 30 minute consultation and that's completely free. So if you just need to chat, um, definitely head over to my website or send me an email. I saw that on your website. It looked very easy to, you know, kind of sign up for that sort of mm -hmm. discovery call consultation type yeah. thing. And yeah, folks can figure out if uh, you're right for them that way. That's good stuff. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll also thank our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Shelby Ashley of Optimized Financial Solutions. Look for her contact information also in the show notes. Um, now, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We're always blessed with great guests. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until the next time we're together, keep on disrupting, looking for things to shake stuff up out there and push stuff to the next level. And don't forget forget to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. Make them smile. Um, very simple thing you can do. Um, get something that changes the world for the person that you uh, interact with. So uh, God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.